Well, we're going to start a new series uh, up to Christmas, these next few weeks, called God With Us. God With Us. Of course, as I announced next week, um, we're going to have Pastor Phil Capuccio with us, but then um, the week right before Christmas, we'll finish up our series on God With Us. God is with us. And uh, today, I want to talk a little bit about how God is with us in the storm in the midst of our storm. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn over to Matthew. We'll get there in just a moment. Um, Matthew chapter one, we'll be there in just a moment. You know, one of the things that uh, I'm reminded of when I think of the Christmas season, uh, you know, I'm reminded of family getting together, uh, eating, of course, Christmas cookies. Some people say ugly Christmas sweaters. Uh, I think your Christmas sweaters look good. Um, but, uh, you know, you think of all of those things. If you're in the Midwest, you think of snow. Um, you know, you think of shopping. You think of all of these things. And when I think of family, I remember how pleasing it was to me uh, when, especially when I was growing up, when I would do something, for example, play football, or I was you know, part of the band, and I would look out in the audience, and my mom was there. And it, 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 you know, I just wanted to do that much better because I looked out and she was there. She was present. One time when I was playing Little League, my dad um, was never around. He, he was always working. You know, at least that's what he told us. He, he was always working. He was never around. And with that, he never came to any of my games or any time I performed or my brothers, uh, any of that kind of thing. He provided. He was a great provider. And uh, to that extent, he was a great dad. Uh, when he was around, uh, we had a lot of fun together. He played with us. He was the fun dad. Uh, but he just wasn't around a lot. And I remember one year I was playing little league football and I was running back and I was having a really good year. It's like almost like every time I touched the ball, I would score a touchdown. It seemed like, you know, and, um, one, one day it was a Wednesday evening. We played on Wednesday evenings, believe it or not, Wednesday evening, we were playing little league football and, um, I was having a bad game. I, I, I got a reverse. Uh, some of you may know if you know football, you know, you're going one way with the play and then I was going the other way and they did like a reverse and I got the ball and my coach was like, it's going to be a sure touchdown because I've seen how they, the, you know, the other team is playing. So I came around on the reverse and I was so excited. And when I went to grab the ball, I fumbled. And the other team got the ball, you know, and uh, I, I just, I had no yards that game. It just seems like I was having a bad game. And then I got unmotivated. I didn't even want to play anymore. It was just like, you know, let's just go home. I'm, I'm tired of this game. And then I looked over into the crowd and my dad was there. I mean, unannounced. I didn't know he was coming. My mom couldn't even come. In fact, the coach gave me a ride to the game that night. And I looked over and I saw my dad standing on the sideline next to the coach. And I mean, it, it, it changed my whole world that one night, that one night. I still had a bad game. I know, I know what you want me to say is, you know, then I scored four touchdowns, but I still had a bad game. But inside it did something to me just to know that he was there, that he was with me. There's something about knowing that there's someone there with you. And I think God wants us to know, especially in this season, that I am with you. I am for you. 
no matter what you're going through, I am there with you. I'm reminded of the story of the he, the three, the three Hebrew uh, boys or young men, actually, uh, you remember it, that were in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire, and, and Nebuchadnezzar the king looked in, and he said, there's another in the fire with them. And one of the things that we realize is many times in life, Jesus doesn't remove the storm or the fire, but he's there with us in the midst of it. How else would we know that we're overcomers? How else would we know that we are more than conquerors? How else would we know that God has made us the head? Lest we be in the midst of a storm and conquer that storm through faith. And so God wants us to know that he is with us. Reminded of a story, I think Charles Swindoll told it, but he, he said, take the year 1809. The international scene was tumultuous. Napoleon was sweeping through Austria. Blood was flowing freely. There was war. Nobody then cared about babies, but the world was overlooking some terribly significant births. They were focused on what was happening here in Austria. For example, William Gladstone was born that year. He was destined to become one of England's finest statesmen. That same year, Alfred Tennyson was born to an obscure minister and his wife. This child would one day greatly affect the literary world in a marked manner. On the American continent, Oliver Wendell Holmes, you ever heard that name, was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And not far away, Edgar Allan Poe was also born, albeit he had a tragic life. Uh, but it was also in that same year that a physician named Darwin and his wife uh, named their child Charles Robert. And that same year produced the cries of a newborn infant in a rugged log cabin in Hardin County, Kentucky, named Abraham Lincoln. If there had not been uh, that, that war in Austria, maybe there would have been some focus on some of these births. If there would have been a news broadcast at the time, for certain, all it would have broadcast was Napoleon is tearing his way through Austria. Right? So we often see that God Almighty is working in the midst of things that are going on. And we, our mind is focused. Our eyes are focused on big things, tragic things maybe in life. And God is over here working the whole time. Yes, the God of the universe is always working. Similarly to these events, during the time Jesus was born, Everybody was focused on taxation and, and the census and what, what's going to happen. Yet in a manger in Bethlehem was born the Savior of the world. And the only people who knew were some shepherds. And they only knew because some angels came and told them. Wise men later came to see him a couple years later. But it was an unceremonious birth. Yet he would change the whole world. Yes, the God of our universe, the creator of all things, incomprehensibly separated himself from himself and wrapped himself in the flesh that he had created that he might save you and I. That's what God did that day. He decided instead of being God for us, he would be God with us. 
I don't want you to know that I'm just for you. It's not just, hey, you can do a good job. You can do this. You're great. You look great. You can overcome. No, God is saying, I'm there with you. I am in the fire with you. One of the things that I've noticed that we deal with that really hinders us in life is a little thing called loneliness. I know I've said before that I believe that one of the reasons, a major reason we were created is for relationship. Why wasn't there just one of us? Why wasn't there just Adam and Eve? There's almost 8 billion people in the world. Come on, we're meant for relationship. We're meant for fellowship. We're meant to interact. We're meant to know each other. But yet, you can be in the midst of a crowded room and still feel lonely. Still feel lonely. Lonely, but not alone. Loneliness is a terrible thing. Consider these significant health findings of loneliness. Loneliness obviously can lead to major depression. Lonely people are at risk for cognitive decline at a faster rate than people who are more satisfied with social networking. And I don't mean uh, social networking on your phone. I'm talking about physically social networking, okay? Lonely people are at higher risk for health problems like heart disease. Their mortality is at a greater rate if you claim to be lonely. And so loneliness is the opposite of what God created us for. And that's why that day 2,000 years ago, he said, I am going to come and show you fellowship. I'm going to come and show you how to be together, how to interact together, how to forgive, how to love, how to correct, how to interact, how to have relationship. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, we know it pretty well, especially during this season. The New King James Version put it this way, said, Behold, the virgin, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. The New Living Translation put it this way, it said, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Today, we want to take just a few moments, a little bit of time, and talk about how God is with us in the storm. I know I've heard it before in life. Maybe you've heard this before, but I've heard this before. One of my mentors told me that uh, he said, you know, usually what you're going to find in life is either uh, you, you just got out of a storm or you're in the midst of a storm, or there's a storm around the corner. It seems like there's always some storm in life. Well, those of us who have lived some time on this earth would say, okay, yeah, you know, there, there is some truth to that. I mean, it does seem like there's always something going on, you know, things that are out of our control, things that, uh, you know, we didn't start all right. And uh, we certainly didn't want there's there's always storms in life. And so what we find is God doesn't often remove those storms, but he tells us I'm with you right in the middle of these storms. And there's some things that God wants us to know this morning about walking through the storm, about him being with us in the midst of the storm. First of all, we have to realize this. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. 
Folks, we are a people of faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And that word walk there means to live, to move, and to have our being. It means that's how we live. And how, how often do you live? How many hours a day do you live? How many days a week do you live? How many weeks in a year do you live? How much of your life uh, do you live? A little hint is the word life. You're always living. And so we live by faith. The just shall walk, shall live by faith. Everything we do is centered around and encompassed with faith. It is all about faith. We are a people of faith. And so that's why we can never let any circumstance, any storm cause us to doubt. I mean, if you're like me, you've been there in life where you've believed. And then all of a sudden, it seems like one thing after another have come against you. And something in you kind of wants to doubt. To say, well, what, what is it that, that I've done? Or is there really a God? No, I've been going to church my whole life. But I mean, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen the burning bush. I, you know, I, I, I haven't done some of these things. Is there really, there's something in us and, and that's just the enemy. That's your flesh. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. You know, often the question arises, why does God allow bad things to happen? If there was a God, then why is there war? Why is there coronavirus? Why is there Ebola? Why are, is there cancer? Why are there diseases? Why are there evil people? Why do children die? Why do children get shot at school? How does this happen if there was a God? But God makes it very clear in Scripture that much of our journey in life is up to us, not to Him. He took care of the big thing on the cross. He took care of eternity when he came and died on the cross. He took care of our salvation. But our journey, our journey is up to you and I. Our out, much of our outcome, yes, God is sovereign. I believe it. I believe God is sovereign. And there are some things that are going to happen. There are some things in life that are going to happen. Talk to Jonah. That, you know, this is going to happen, Jonah. It's going to happen. Now, I've used this example also before. You know, if you're a parent, you, you know what I'm saying very well. You know, it's kind of like, well, you're going to take out the trash. You're, you know, you can say, I don't want to. You can say, I'm not going to do it. But you're going to do it. It's just how you do it. It could come with a little pain, or you can just go ahead and do it. But it's going to happen, okay? And so we know, we know that there are some things, there are some things that God, that it's just going to happen. We know. But much of your life is up to you. Success is in your hands. Remember in Joshua, that one that us charismatics love to quote, you know, about the word of the Lord uh, being in my mouth, meditate on this word day and night and observe to do all that is written therein. All right. But the end of that verse right there says, then you shall, you shall make your own way prosperous. Then you shall have good success. Then you shall make your way prosperous. And so with sin in the world, we should be asking a question, not if there was a God, but if there were people who cared to change things. Because if my people who are called by my name 
would humble themselves. I would hear from heaven and I would heal their land. It's not a question of if there is a God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Think about Paul in Acts chapter 27. After they had gone a long time without food, verse 21 says, this is right after Paul left Crete. He was going to Rome. He was in chains. And it says that Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves the damage and loss. What the backdrop here is they were leaving Crete and Paul warned them, let's not leave. At least let's not leave right now. But they did anyway. And so they encountered a storm. And another thing that's funny to me is how we name storms. This particular storm was called Eurachlodon. You know, one of the things that I found out about storms, uh, I really wasn't doing research on storms, but I came across this. And uh, back, I think it was back in the 50s, is when we started naming hurricanes. And it was interesting. Scientists, it was sort of still kind of patriarchal at that time uh, to an extent. And uh, so scientists, male scientists, would name storms after their wives or girlfriend. And I was like, that's, I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's homage or, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, who does that? It's kind of like, man, this Category 5 hurricane is coming and it's going to tear through Florida. A lot of people are going to die and get flooded out. And when I saw that storm, I thought of you. And uh, so I'm not really sure about that. Just a side note. Let me get back on track. I don't. But this storm was called Eurachlodon. I don't think there was anyone named Eurachlodon. I don't know. Some of you Bible scholars may know. But it was a terrible storm. It tore their ship apart and they went through all of this. By the way, Paul is not above saying, I told you so, right here. And he tells them, if you, if you would have listened to me, we wouldn't be in this situation. Why, why am I bringing this up? Because a lot of times we blame the storm, but God is saying, if you would have listened to me, you wouldn't be in this situation would still be there but you would have had the wisdom to know what to do if you would have had the integrity to listen to my word because you're an overcomer because you're more than a conqueror because we are people of faith because you are the head and not the tail you are those things now we just need to act like it follow the scripture and we can act like it. <laughs> you see, in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Bible says, Peter told the people, he said, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. See, it's God's will for all of us to be successful. Jesus said, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Come on, you can finish it. But I have come that they may have life. Come on. And that more, that's his, That's what he wants. He can't do anything else but tell you that's what he wants. Now it's up to you and I. It's up to you and I. It's not about if there is a God. It's if my people. The second thing we need to understand is peace is not the absence of a storm. It is being in the presence of God. In the presence of the Lord, there is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures evermore. Why then do we complain? <laughs> I'm not talking about you. I'm always, why then do we complain when we're not, we choose not to be in his presence? Why then, God, you, you've forsaken me. 
God is saying, well, you forsook me first. <laughs> so <laughs> if you'd follow my plan. You know, when the angel was, was speaking to the shepherds in the field, announcing the birth of Christ and the heavenly hosts joined together with the angel, uh, declaring glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Jesus came to bring peace. He came to bring peace. That's reconciliation between God and man. God and man. In that story that we looked at earlier with Paul, he says a little earlier in that chapter, he says that last night an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Again, he didn't say, do not be afraid, Paul, because there was a storm called Eurachlodon coming, but I'm not going to make the storm come. That's not what he said. But he said, do not be afraid. I am with you and I have given all of the lies of those who are with you to you. They are in your hands. Don't be afraid. You, you, you can't go down now. You got to go see Caesar. There's a purpose for your life. There's a purpose for your life. One of the things that my wife and I declared, we've already started thinking about this, you know, and it's interesting, you know, we do this, um, what is it, New Year's resolutions, and, you know, um, I, I don't know how biblical New Year's resolutions are, but it is an opportunity to reset. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We can take that opportunity, and if you want to do that, that's, that's fine. And, you know, one of the things that we said, our outlook for 2022 is um, we, we, we've been trying to do this already, but we are going to put a clamp on our mouth, and we are only going to speak what God speaks going into 20. That's start now, really. We don't have to wait until the New Year's to do it. All right. But that but that's just our that's our outlook. And it came because we were thinking about some things. We we're thinking about her trying to graduate from school. And she's got the hardest part of her whole journey. Her whole school journey is right now. The hardest part of all of it, you know, it's our oral exams and our dissertation and our, you know, three days, six hour exams a day and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, there's some other things going on, you know, with her and I and, and uh, with her body and some different things. And, you know, we we're kind of starting to talk about all these things. I said, wait, 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 yeah, we're talking about all this stuff. We're going to speak those things that be not as though they were. We're speaking to every single thing that is coming against us. All right. So this storm, Eurachlodon, it's, you know, it's like a perfect storm of all these different things. You ever heard that perfect storm? Well, guess what? I serve a perfect God who can get me through the perfect storm. Come on. I serve a perfect God who can get me through the perfect storm. And so peace is not the absence of a storm. Don't worry about it if a storm is around you. But it's just about being in the presence of God, being in the presence of God. And then finally, number three, watch this now, because we're not selfish people. And uh, I think even this whole year, but especially the past few weeks, God has really laid this upon my heart about fellowship and the importance of fellowship. And I know we have Holy Spirit and, uh, you know, salvation and God and all kinds of doctrine. And, and all of that is important. Baptism and, you know, we could talk about all of these type of things. But fellowship is just as important as all of that. It doesn't seem like it. It's like, oh, it's just something that we do. I mean, the important thing is, you know, that we, we worshiped and we prayed. Our fellowship is just kind of on the side. 
All of it's important. Jesus commanded it. He, you know what? He said that men will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have one for another. Now, if that's not commanding fellowship, then I don't know what is. And so God will use what you learn in your storm to help others through their storm. That's also why you're here. You're not here just to get through your storm. You're here that so when you get through your storm, you can help somebody else who's about to go through the storm and who's about to speak negatively, who's about to give up. Come on, who's a, who, who, someone who's about to be depressed and have their head down. But see, I've been through it. And by faith, I made it through. By the word of God, I made it through. And God is no respecter of persons. So if I made it through by speaking God's word, guess what? You can too. Because God loves you as much as he loves me. <laughs> Come on. Here are four things that the storm can show us. Once we endure our storm, we can teach other, others these things too. First one is that storms teach us gratitude. Storms teach us gratitude. It's easy to be thankful in the good times or times we perceive as good times. We can be content in any situation uh, because of faith. Any situation we can be content. That's why Paul said I'm content in every situation. It's because of his faith. He knew that he was an overcomer. Come on, somebody. We can overcome any situation. John 6, 11 says this, and Jesus took the loaves, familiar verse of scripture, you know it. He took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, the same loaves. It doesn't say he multiplied the loaves. It's not what the Bible says. It says he took the loaves that they gave him. How many loaves were there? Anybody remember? Two loaves. Two loaves. How many fish? Any? Seven loaves and two fish. I got seven over here. I got seven, got five, got two. All right. So he did. <laughs> inconsequential he took the loaves and uh, it says that he broke them those loaves and he gave them back to the disciples then they multiplied but it says that he gave thanks Jesus gave thanks before the fish and bread were multiplied if in fact, it was because of his faith and his gratitude that the miracle happened. He gave thanks and then multiplication happened. He had faith and then multiplication. He did it first and then the miracle happened. We can't always sit back. Look at this storm. Look at those people in church. You know, look at this. Look at what's going on. Well, why don't you do something? Come on. Let's get up and make it happen. God is waiting for us to make it happen. He gave thanks. And so storms teach us gratitude. Gratitude works, people. Gratitude works. Secondly, storms teach us how to overcome with faith. You know, Hebrews 11, 1, the, the one that we know so well, out of the NIV, says this. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. By nature, we are typically people who wait and see. We, I want to wait and see what happens. It'll all come out in the wash. Let's see first. Before I say anything, I want to see what happens. We can do that with a lot of things in our life, but when it comes to serving the Lord, there is no wait and see. 
there's taste and see, not wait and see. Come on, somebody. Taste and see is an action. That's a verb. That's what's happening. Come on. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't wait and see. All right. It's the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We have an assurance about what we do not see yet. We have it already. Why? Because he came to be with us. He took action. See, Jesus j just didn't say, hey, I, I want you to do it. He did it first. He came. He fasted. He prayed. He gave his life for us. He healed people. He, he raised people from the dead. Come on. He did all of these things. And now he said, now you're going to do greater things than me. Come on. Tell me that ain't fellowship. Tell me that ain't something, someone who cares about you and wants to see you succeed. And then number three, storms teach us real peace. What real peace is. Remember, we just said that peace is not the absence of a storm, but peace is being in the presence of God. And so storms teach us what real peace is. And God wants nothing more than for you to have peace. You ever been through something in life and you just feel like a, a time in your life where you just don't have any peace? And it's not even that, uh, you know, people are yelling at you or there's chaos going on. It's just like internally, you just don't have peace. You ever felt like that? God wants nothing more than for you to live a life with peace in the midst of storms. I've been through thing, times in my life where I've been, it's been so chaotic inside of me while everything else on the outside was okay. There was, there was nobody yelling, nothing was going on, but just something inside me. I was so stressed and I was worried and I was making a mountain out of a molehill and uh, you know, I was thinking and so many things were on my mind and I couldn't sleep and all this stuff was going on inside me. But Jesus said, I want just the opposite for you. Let it all go on outside. Let them talk about coronavirus and the economy and all the things that they want to do and all the ups and downs. But in your heart, in your mind, I'm going to give you peace. And that's the way you're going to change the world. That's the way you're going to change the storms. That's the way you're going to change your environment is the peace that's in you. Colossians 3.15, the Bible says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts such as members of one body, you were called to peace. You don't believe that Jesus wants you to have peace? He says that you were called to peace. And then he says, and be thankful. And be thankful. Come on. And then lastly, storms teach us faithfulness. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold fast. You know what hold fast means? That means I'm not letting go. I have a grip so tight that you can pull on me. You can jerk on me. You can uh, try to entice me, but I am not letting go. I'm not letting go. Hold fast. Just like a, a baby holds fast to that rattler or that, uh, you know, that toy or, you know, that binky. Come on. He holds fast. She holds fast to that thing. You can't get it out of their hand. Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. God has been faithful to us. And so he's asking us, be faithful no matter what you see. Here's the thing. You're going to the other side. Jesus is getting in the boat. In fact, he's got in the boat and he said, let's go to the other side. So you're going to the other side. You're going to the other side. Storms will come, but storms don't last forever. Even the worst hurricanes finally end. Come on.
Storms have a reason and a season, but Jesus will lead you to the other side. He's already spoken it, and his word doesn't return to him void. God will see you through it. Peace in the storm. Peace through the storm. When, when storms are at their worst, Jesus is at his best. Come on. We need to trust him. Why? Because life has little storms and big storms. Life has ups and downs. But we know that God is with us in the midst of the storm. And 2,000 years ago, there were a few reasons that Jesus came. He came to die on the cross. He came to die on the cross. But he also came that we might have peace. He also came to show us that I am not just God for you, but I am God with you you. We need to believe today that God is with us. I don't know what storm you may be going through. I don't know what you may be going through in life today. I don't know what your boss may have put on you. I don't know what your financial situation may be. I don't know what your relationship is. Maybe your marriage relationship or some things that are going on in your family. Uh, maybe you had a great time at Thanksgiving. Maybe some of you got together at Thanksgiving and things weren't so great. I don't know what may be going on with you. I don't know what tests you may be going through. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God would say, I am with you in the midst of it all. And when you come out on the other side, you're not even going to smell like fire. You're not going to smell burnt at all. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the fire of the storm that you're going through. And I'm going to cause it to burn off all of those things that are not like me. And when you come out on the other side, you're going to come out as pure gold. Amen.